We all have one, a podcast that isn't afraid to discuss the stories that we all have, even the really messy ones. From business ideas to overbearing in-laws to dreams of leaving your crappy job, come along for epic stories along tangible advice for succeeding and surviving through life's unfiltered moments. I'm your host, Corey McFadden, recovering business owner, industry pioneer, and mama blogger who has seen it all along the way. And let's just say, I am not afraid to share what I've learned from my experiences and mistakes, which means you don't have to. All you got to do is listen, grab a coffee or hell, a tequila is probably better. And let's get to this week's saga turned life lesson. Hello, here we are, episode four. I'm finding my groove. Hopefully you are finding yours too. I'm Corey McFadden, your host. And today we are talking about hiring. Yes, hiring. It is an oh-so-difficult process, but it is so good when you get it right. But like anything else in business, it takes a lot of steps to get there. It's expensive. And essentially, you're going to get a few bad apples along the way that will most likely humble the shit out of you and scare you to ever hire again. So if you are in business and that's recently happened to you, don't worry. It's okay. It gets better. But if you haven't hired before, don't let that scare you. Just listen today and listen carefully because what I'm going to tell you are some key elements to hiring success. Because let me tell you, When you are expanding your team and you're bringing new talent in, it's not easy and not everyone always vibes and it's not always the individual that you hired. Sometimes it's just the environment's not a right fit, a clash of personalities. And as the employer, you just have to know that that's part of the risk of expanding your team. That's part of the growing pains and you just got to do it. Because the truth is, when you're building a business, there comes a day when you just can't do it all anymore. It's impossible. You find yourself tied up in these small, mundane tasks that essentially could be done by someone else, but you don't have that someone else, so you're doing it yourself, and you're trying to get everything done that has to get done, and in turn, it's stunting the growth of your actual business because you aren't able to use your talents and do what you should be doing. And that's all normal. That's the way it should go. You should get to that point that you feel like you're going to combust and that tasks are literally running out of your eyeballs. And when someone asks you how you are, you just start like rattling things off that you need to do. That's normal growth and how you should feel. And so when you do get to that point, What you need to know is that you do have to hire someone and it's scary and it's hard. And you're probably saying to yourself, well, no one can do it as good as I can and they're never going to do it the way I do. And the truth is this. Yes, they can. Someone can send invoices just as good as you and make phone calls and run those errands and, you know, those things that can immediately come off your plate in the beginning. That's what you have to pay attention to and put the trust into the universe that 
you are going to be prepared enough to hopefully bring on a good hire. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to talk you through the hiring process, what you need to make sure you have in line before you even decide to bring someone on, what you need to personally evaluate, and then when you are going to hire someone, what does that process look like? Interviewing? Yes. Scary. I get it. I'm going to talk you through some key questions to ask and everything that you need to quote unquote think about. Remember, these episodes are like icebreakers for you. These are things that you need to get into. I'm not going to be able to give you every single detail, but I'm going to give you everything that you need to start thinking about. So let's do it. Okay. So bringing on an employee essentially means that you're also bringing on liabilities and legal obligations and expenses and lots of paperwork. Oh, are you excited? Oh, I bet you're just so pumped now. But that's the truth. It's not like you can just hire someone and there's no strings attached. That's not how it works, friends. And when you do that, that's how you get yourself legally in trouble. So don't do that. Here's what you need to do. Okay? So On average, this is what Entrepreneur Magazine, when I was researching this topic, this is what they said. This is also a little scary. They said that between recruiting, hiring, training, and bringing on a new employee, the cost is close to $4,000. And you're probably like, what do you mean? Who am I paying the $4,000 to? Well, the $4,000 is your time in sufficiently training them, the onboarding process with payroll, other individuals that are training them, equipment that you might need to purchase for them that they need to use to do their job, the actual overhead expense of a place for them to work. It's not free for them just to, you know, sit in a chair and have a desktop with a computer that is maintenance. All those things cost money. So that is the average cost of the onboarding process of an individual. So it's expensive. And so that's why you want to make sure that when you're making this investment, again, you're doing it right. So first off, what you need to do is decide what can you actually afford. Hiring someone doesn't just mean that you're going to pay them their hourly rate. So you're like, oh yeah, $20 an hour, 20 times four, that's $80 a day. Uh, No, 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 my friends. You got all those other things as an employer that you're required to pay, you know, like state payroll taxes and unemployment taxes and workers' compensation and possibly equipment, all those things, those are direct expenses associated with that individual that you're employing that you also have to account for. So it's important that you sit down and you figure out what are those expenses. Another great exercise, add a tab onto your worksheet and put in there, if you have someone work for you, what is needed? I can tell you, It's always needed to pay your state payroll taxes, doesn't matter what state you're in, your unemployment taxes, because that's what's going to cover if you terminate someone and they draw unemployment. That's where that comes from, is you paying in those unemployment taxes and you're going to pay them in on a regular, meaning every single payroll. So keep that in mind. Then what you'll want to do is consider what is best for you. Is it bringing them on part-time, full-time, or possibly as a contract and employee? So independent contractors 
are someone that you bring on for a specific project for a temporary basis. This is not someone that works under your roof every single day. Think about like web work, or maybe you hire someone to do a window install and they're there on a two-week basis. Those are independent contractors, and they don't have as many legality strings attached. So if you have certain tasks that you need to have completed, maybe you hire an independent contractor to do that. But if you're looking for someone to live and breathe the business that you've created and come in every single day, you're looking at either a part-time or a full-time employee. And these are the individuals that are going to build loyalty and that long-term commitment to your vision that you're looking for. But they're also the ones that come with, well, all the legal and paperwork and all the things that you need to do. So that's just part of it, friends. What you really got to get together before you hire anyone is this checklist of items. And I, again, will have this all available on my website under episode four, glitterandbubbles.com. It's not just dedicated to my podcast. That's my whole life there, friends. But go there and you can see all of this that I'm going to rattle off because here over the next 20 minutes, I'm going to start giving you a lot of stuff and it's a lot to write down. I get it. So I've got it all there for you. So before you bring someone on that's going to commit to your vision, You need to make sure you have your EIN number. We discussed this in the last episode from the IRS. This is the employee identification number that is basically your go-to when you're paying your taxes. It's how the IRS keeps its tabs on you to make sure that you're paying everything that you should be paying. Then you're going to want to sign up for your state's new hire registration system. And this is essentially where you're going to end up paying your state taxes. And it's going to be um, documented through there. Then you're going to want to obtain paperwork that you're going to need for your new hire. We're going to go through this in a little bit for your employee manual, but you're going to get all that paperwork together that you need to hire someone. These aren't things that you ever want to be doing in the moment. You always want to have together and ready before. That includes an I-9 so you can verify their eligibility to work in the U.S. That's required by the U.S. government. In order to employ anyone, you must have an I-9 filled out for them. And then you need to do your research back with your insurance agent and figure out, does your state need workers' compensation insurance? Should you have disability insurance? Disability insurance is if someone is hurt on the workplace and they're compensated outside of, you know, because of time off work. If you possibly had a baby as the owner, this is something you also need to research. So point it back to our other episode why insurance is so important, you need to figure this out before you hire anyone ever because workers' compensation is very important. And then you need to figure out what is the minimum wage in your state. Make sure you're meeting that with the position that you're offering as well as get your payroll system set up if you haven't done it yet. These are your immediate checklist of items that you need to have 100% fulfilled before you offer anyone a job. Then what you're going to do is what is so important. And this is time intensive. And I can't tell you how many business owners I talk to, including one of my dear friends who I spoke to last week, who's been in business for several years and does not have a employee manual. You must have an employee manual. This is to protect you as the employer 
and this is to be fair to your employees. This is going to outline everything that they need to know. You always want to make sure that they know what they need to, and they don't need to come to you to always ask. A lot of people don't feel comfortable asking a lot of things that pertain to logistics, and it's your responsibility as the employer to provide that. If you do not provide it, I can tell you that if something happens within the workplace, the state is most likely always going to side with the employee. It's just the way it goes. So as an employer, it is your responsibility to get this together. So you're like, what's an employee manual? What does it have to do with? It's got a lot in it and it's got a lot of detail. So it takes time. So it's something you want to write in sections. If you have someone, you have an existing business, whoever's doing your HR should, one, if they're doing your HR and you don't have an employee manual, you've got a problem with whoever you have employed right now as your HR head. But if you just brought them in because it's a new business, you want to make sure this is the first task that they are getting completed for you. So what's in there, you ask? Let me just rattle off some things and what you'd find in this. Policies and procedures that pertain to the business. Work hours. This is as simple as what days of the week are you open and what are the work hours? Because if you're open from 10 to 7, those work hours might really be from 8 to 10. So you want to make sure that that is clearly outlined. How does the break policy work? How does overtime work? How is payroll processed? Is it weekly? Is it bi-weekly? How does the attendance work? Tardies, calling in, clocking in system, all of these things, requesting off, paid time off, corrective action notices, your dress code. You want your dress code broken down by men and women if you employ both, all the way down to makeup, hair, jewelry, tattoos, all of these things you need to explain. Maybe they don't matter. You can have, you don't need to say like, you can have your tattoos exposed. No, it's more like if you work in a professional environment that no body art is to be shown, that is what you need to say. Or no piercings that are visible, that is what you need to outline. More along the lines of no's and along the lines of what is acceptable. Because if you're telling them no, 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 you also need to tell them what you can wear by providing examples. So what we used to do in my handbook for my company was we had um, photo examples of acceptable outfits to give some ideas. And it was written in a way that you didn't feel attacked by any means. You feel as though it's a resource and you feel educated. Then you're going to go into social media policy. This is protecting your brand. This is very, very important. Um, you're like, what's a social media policy? So you can look these up online for some examples. I will post mine as well. But it's more about um, talking about being respectful towards the company that you work for and your employees and their competitors. You don't want, let's say, hiring someone and then they're using their off time to attack their competitors on Twitter and it's falling back on you and that's not how you operate. Those types of things, making sure that you protect your company and you keep them knowledgeable. But more than anything, you keep your shit in line and 
you always have a reference to point back to. And this is something, if you guys are interested, I could upload as a whole on my website and you could use it as a template. I love to hear your feedback. Let me know how I can help you complete these tasks as we go because it's important that you get them right. Because when you don't, that's when you find yourself in trouble. The benefit of doing all these things before you bring someone on is that you're ready. Because if you're trying to play catch up, this is what starts a bad work culture because they don't know what the hell they're supposed to be doing. So when you've thought this through in a clear manner, you can lead, which is so important because there's nothing worse than looking to your leader for answers and they're, you know, kind of like shaking, like, I'm not sure. I haven't thought of that. No. These are foundational basics that are your responsibility to have in line. So get that employee manual together. Yes, it takes time, but you only got to do it once. I say once, I mean once a year. And while it is something that should be evolving with the company as the company grows, maybe as you face obstacles and hurdles, you can address them with your, your manual where you were lacking some information. It is something that you will build out over time, but get the foundation in line, just like everything else that we've gone through. Then you're going to want to figure out your new hire packet. So this is the paperwork that that individual is legally going to need to fill out when you bring them on. And usually this consists of an I-9 and an employment application so you can give their information for tax reporting and Those are the two key items. Get those together with your employee manual so as soon as you hire someone, you can start off on the right foot. So you've got everything together. You're ready. Now you want to hire. So first thing you need to do is create a compelling job description. So what you need to do is figure out what is this person going to do? So we've referenced job scope before, and what job scope is, is it's basically the scope of the position that that individual will hold. Everything that could be executed by that individual while working for you. So these are things like answering the phone, clerical work, closing tasks. Is it a management position? How many people will they be overseeing? What does that role entail? All these things that they will be doing. And the best way to do that is just sit down and write it out. Like, what would you ask that person to do? What are the tasks that they're going to take off your plate immediately? Are running errands involved? Does it require that they have a car? Um, Is that a requirement? These are things that are important to know because what if you find that perfect candidate and then they don't have a car and they won't work because you forgot that key detail. So you want to sit down write out every single thing that they could be doing, and then polish it pretty into a job scope of what that position entails. Then you're going to take that and turn it into a job description. So what that is, is it's got all the elements of an accurate job title. So is it a client service representative? Is it have to do with, um, you know, working in a stock room? What is that title? They should know what that position entails because what you don't want to do is 
put a client service relations and then they come and they are packaging in a stock room. That makes no sense. There's no connection there. So you want to have an accurate job title, an overview of your company. What's the company about? What's the mission? What are you guys doing? Key job duties and responsibilities that position has. Any required and preferred skills. So maybe it's required that they're fluent in Photoshop and you prefer that they've had one to three years in retail experience. Those are things you want to have in this job description. And if there's any employee benefits or perks, are you offering anything awesome? Is there paid time off? Do you get to work from home one day a week? Do you get to bring your dog to the office? All these things that are fun and cool, put those in there. Because what you need to do is you need to create a job posting that is not only right for the position, but it can stand out. Because in the job market, What's going to set you apart? What's going to get that talent interested in coming to work for you? You need to speak the truth and you need to make it enticing. It's important. So a job scope is not a job description, but you cannot write that job description without having the job scope written. So to this point, you want to make sure that you've got your employee manual together your onboarding paperwork together, a job scope, and a job description. These are all things that require a significant amount of time, but must be done before you bring someone on. So I read the absolute best job ad I've ever read this past weekend. And I'm not saying this is going to be a right fit for you or 99.9% of businesses, but for Ashley Longshore, there could not have been a better ad. And I can tell she wrote it herself with her awesome fingers full of rings. She's such a badass. If you don't know who she is, check her out. She's like the coolest artist ever and so absolutely lovely as a person. Um, I had an encounter with her at a fashion show with my daughter and she let her hold her Swarovski French fry handbag. And I forever love her for that because anyone that hands over a Swarovski uh, miniature clutch to a toddler fucking rocks. So love you, Ashley. But she posted this job ad. Um, she posted on Instagram because she's like, fuck it. I'm not going any traditional route that Corey's going to say to go because she's doing her own thing. And that's her. Um, she's in New Orleans and she's looking for someone that is fluent in Photoshop. So here's her job ad. Listen to this. I am so excited that a big position has opened up at my company. I'm looking for some badasses who can excel in a fast-paced, high-pressure environment. I'm looking for talent. You got to be able to thrive on deadlines and opportunity. I need someone motivated as hell who is a leader. I need someone who can communicate clearly. I need a design star to be attached to me at the hip for some big global projects and also my day-to-day design. My studio is not a millennial day spa. It's not a fucking party and I'm not going to baby you or hold your fucking hand. I need a fucking adult who's ready to succeed. We have big opportunities, tight deadlines, and we thrive on overachieving. I want someone motivated and enthusiastic. You have to work quickly and with precision. I want someone that wants a career, not a fucking job. Who's ready to get to work? Email hollywood at ashleylongshore.com. I'm interviewing this week. If that job speaks to you, emailer, that's a current job ad, but it's everything and more of exactly who she is. You know 
getting hired, that that job's not going to be easy. It's going to be fast. It's going to be crazy. There's going to be lots of fucking fuck bombs and it's going to be chaos, but it's going to be good because she's looking for talent and she's looking to grow someone. And that, my friends, is what speaks to people. Like, I'm excited about that job and I don't have any of those skills. So write it so it captivates people and it brings them in. And I'm not saying write it like that, but it should speak you and your mission and who you are. And that should be exciting because if that can't be exciting, how are you going to lead people? You need to lead people every day and motivate them to get behind what you believe in. So if you can't do it through a job description, how are you going to do it every day? So do it and do it well. So then you're going to post your job description. And a really good tip here is like, if you can hire through social media, great. But refer back to my last episode about hiring friends. Be very, very careful with what social media brings in. Usually you have to have a pretty large following to bring in enough applicants that it's diverse enough that you're not just picking from friends and family. So pay to play. Yes, you can put up cheap ads, but you're going to get back that same talent. Sometimes it's expensive. It can cost up to $500 to post one single job posting, but you're going to bring in valuable, great people. And that's what you're looking for. You know, for example, I paid $500 on a career builder ad when I was looking for my assistant because I needed someone that could live and breathe what I was doing, but be the right balance. And I found her and I found her in the first round and that's my Abby. And oh, Abby, I still love you. She's still my assistant after seven years. And so that tells you it was worth the $500 to not go through 10,000 resumes submitted on Craigslist that have nothing to do with the position that you're looking for. Here's just a little side tip for you. Keep all the resumes that are submitted for the job that you have up. Keep them all. File them all into a folder. Label it, you know, September client service manager. Put them all in there just for legal reasons. We don't need to get into it on this episode. Things can arise. It's better to have it than to not. Do it in an organized manner. Start it from the beginning and just get in the habit of keeping them as well as top talent that maybe you didn't hire, you can put them in a subfolder. So you can refer back if someone doesn't work out that you bring on, you can go back into that talent pool and see maybe they got brought into a position that didn't work or they're still looking for a job. Um, so there's a lot of reasons to keep those, but just keep them all. So now you've got your submissions. People are starting to submit for your job. You're excited. You've got all these applicants. Now, what do you do with them? Well, you're going to have to interview them. But before you interview them, you can do a little bit of work in vetting people out that aren't a fit. So a great way to do this is by reviewing the resumes and cover letters and see who followed the submission instructions. You can do something that's very basic, like um, no cover letter or must include X, Y, and Z. And if they don't include X, Y, and Z, you can tell that they didn't take the time to follow direction. So why in the world would you want to hire them? They're probably blasting their resume off to a million people, and that's not what you're looking for. You're looking for someone that read the position, they understand what they're applying for, and they feel like they could be a good candidate. So start vetting from there. 
If they cannot follow submission instructions, get them out. Then do phone interviews. Phone interviews are great to do before you bring in for in-person. You can get to know a little bit about the person and you can also see what is their phone etiquette. Are they late to their phone interview? Do they have a lot of background noise? They didn't take the time to kind of lock themselves away. Little things that you can just kind of pick up on in personal etiquette that could really help you. Maybe you really just vibe with someone immediately and you're speaking each other's language and you know they'd be a great candidate possibly. So vet people out through the phone interview process and also communicate through email. Email is a beautiful way to vet out people as well um, and look for people who could be a great fit. Look at the way they communicate. Are there a lot of spelling errors? Do they not care? You can tell in the way that it's written. Is the response time insane, like 72 hours? Look at those things. These are all kind of telltale signs. So then after you go through those steps, you have to interview people. And I know this can be intimidating and it's a process that isn't that fun, but it's one that you got to do. And so one way that this can be very successful and not be frustrating for you is to do interviewing in blocks of time. So what I used to do was open interview blocks. We would take all of our candidates and we would say, great, you know, we're interviewing on Wednesday from 12 to 2 p.m. at, you know, whatever address, and um, we'll see you then. And then they would come in and they'd have a sign-in sheet and we would interview in order of the sign-in sheet. This way, you don't have wasted time and you don't have a schedule that's off schedule because individuals are late to their interview, they don't show up and you blocked out time for them. Do it in this way. It's kind of like first come, first serve. Whoever's there first gets interviewed first. I mean, do you have a problem waiting for an interview, the, a job that you want? Absolutely not. Make a nice, comfortable spot for them to hang out and sit and it will save your sanity. And then just interview straight through. And however many people you have show up is how many you interview. And just because you have 10 people show up doesn't mean you have to make a choice. If you don't find their person that day, then go back to the pool and start over again. But don't bring someone in just to bring someone in. You want to find someone that's qualified and that is going to be a good fit and vibe with your team. Also, a good idea is to have a second person in the interview with you just for legal reasons, just to make sure there's a witness as well in case something was to ever arise. I'm not saying this to scare the shit out of you. I'm just saying this to scare the shit out of you. (laughs) So just make sure that you do it. Have a second person. This is the same when you do job reviews. Always have a second person as a witness. They don't have to say anything. They can sit behind you and pretend to take notes. I don't care. It's also good to get a second opinion, of course, if you have other people on your team. But if it's your actual first hire, get someone that you trust that can just sit in this process with you. Also a good test to find who are your true friends. Okay, so there's a lot to the interviewing process. And I feel like I have to give you this before we wrap this episode up. It's like my obligation because this is around the law in interviewing. So it is unlawful to ask an applicant their age, their sexual orientation, their religious affiliation, their race, marital status under 
No circumstances are you allowed to ask that. And then questions pertaining to the nature of a physical, emotional, or mental handicap can only be asked if an applicant will need special accommodations in performing that job. Otherwise, it is off limits. That is federal law. So it is very, very important that you understand the Civil Rights Act, the American Disabilities Act, the Family Medical Leave Act, and the Age Discrimination and Employment Act. Those things you need to read. As an employer, it is your responsibility. Whoever's doing your HR, it is their responsibility. So please, please make sure you do your research there. So some example questions of things that you can ask are, what do you know about our company and why do you want to work here? This is a really great way to tell if they did any research about what you do and they understand the business. If they don't, is that someone that you really want to bring in? They couldn't take 20 minutes to figure out where they were going to apply for a job. You want to make sure that you're asking thoughtful questions, then you're not just asking questions. They're telling you something about that person. How would you describe your own working style? Maybe they'll tell you they can't work without a written planner and you know they love to interact with people. And, you know, you have them doing a job that has no interaction with individuals. You know, those are telltale signs that that person probably won't thrive there because that doesn't fit with the way they like to work. Or you make it very clear to them that this position, you know, doesn't have interaction with people. Will that be okay? So they know going in. What are three words you would use to describe your ideal work environment? Are those three words anywhere close to the work environment that you're providing? Tell me a time about a difficult working relationship with a colleague that you had. This will tell you a lot about how they work out problems with individuals. Are they combative? Can you see them kind of get, you know, riled up when you ask that question? What's your ideal position and why? This will tell you a lot about who they want to be um, in a position and where they love to be. And can you offer them that or possibly meet that? And then ask them if they have any questions for you. Always turn the tables back to them so they feel open to ask questions because this can also be very, very telling. Maybe they are asking if there are benefits available and it's a part-time hourly position and you know they'll never be available. So you can address that in the interview. That could be a deal breaker for them. And that's okay. These are things that you want to get out before you bring someone on. Because as we discussed, it is so expensive to bring someone on. So you want to make sure that it's the right fit. And then lastly, when you do find that right person, you're going to make them an offer. Most likely it's going to be a verbal offer and you'll probably give them a phone call. So we actually used to have a script that we would use when making our job offers, and I will upload that on my website so you can see that script. But when you're making that verbal offer, you want to follow it up with a written offer as well, just to make sure that there is no miscommunication between either party. And in that job offer, you'll include the job title, the start date, the compensation, and any benefits offered. 
Then, when they come in for their first day, you'll have them fill out that new hire packet that has an employee application and the I-9, and you'll go over the employee manual and then give them a tour. And I will then roll into, in my next episode, exactly what you're going to do on that first day when you bring them in and what you need to do in order to properly train somebody because that's a whole nother deal. But take the time because then when you find the right talent, everything just goes smooth. And just imagine if the tables were flipped again and you were on the other side, how would you want it to go? Take it from the other chair as well and think through for them because when you create these roles that are solid and fluid, you're going to create an exciting environment for someone to come in and focus on what you're there to do. So thank you for hanging with me. Thank you for listening. And thank you to Dante32 for producing this episode. If you want to find me online, you can find me on social media at Corey McFadden always on my blog at glitterandbubbles.com and feel free to email me at hello at weallhaveonepodcast.com. Thank you.